What do you know about beer? No, really, what do you really know? I mean, we see the commercials, but do we really know anything about beer? I know I didn't really know that much about beer until my friends introduced me to the nuances and the history behind certain things related to beer. So today we're going to have a conversation with three guys, Matt, Andrew, and Shannon, and they're going to bring different perspectives to tell us so much about how to not only enjoy beer, but to know what you want from beer. And so without further ado, let's go. And so today I have on the call with me, I have Andrew, Shannon, and Matt. I thank you guys for being here. Uh, we're going to talk about a few topics on how to get people to appreciate beer properly. So uh, no one can do a better introduction for themselves than themselves. So uh, if you guys want to go in order, what I'll do is I'll have Andrew, if you would introduce yourself first, then Shannon, and then Matt, you can round us out. So thank you again, guys, and I'll let you go. Well, I'm Andrew. I currently live in Charlotte. Um, been drinking beer since uh, about 12 years old in England. So I uh, grew up with an English father. Um, the whole family is a bit of a uh, bit of lushes. <laughs> uh, I've made treks to or pilgrimages to Oktoberfest and to uh, West Valletrin in Belgium just to go to different places and try different beers. Awesome. Shannon? Um, I don't have as storied of as a uh, trek, but I, you know, I've worked my way through the ranks as most do in the beer, uh, with, with beer in general, starting from stuff that's very generic, very common, big beer to working into craft and then brewing my own beer. And which is something I've done probably for the last, oh, I don't know, 10 years plus, um, and appreciating that art form. Um, I too have been to Oktoberfest in Germany and I've had that privilege of enjoying that pilgrimage. Um, but really, you know, my forte has been into actually brewing beer and, and enjoying that craft. Awesome. And Matt. Uh, yeah, so I, I also currently live in uh, outside of Charlotte in the sprawling metropolis of Midland, North Carolina. Um, and I, I don't, I don't have nearly the pedigree these guys do. I look like a guy that drinks a lot of beer. Uh, <laughs> you have the beard that indicates you drink a lot of beer and brew beer. So I, I do what I can. Um, no, and actually, I wasn't. Uh, I'm a, a pretty recent um, beer fan. Like even through college, I was more of a you know, like mixed drink, like, you know, Jack and Coke kind of guy, but now I'm, 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 I've, I've, I've seen the light and, uh, you know, I haven't made any pilgrimages yet. And I don't know if I come from a, a family of lushes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely, I would consider myself luscious, but I don't know <laughs> if, uh, if, if, if I'll call all that, but, um, you know, I've done like, you know, my experience is really just, trying to find new bottle shops, do bottle shares with buddies, you know, just, just reaching out, trying to, you know, find whatever, you know, all kinds of stuff is out there with so many new like breweries and all this kind of stuff popping up around here. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm the lay person here. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty much the same as you, man. And I think the interesting part about it is, is, you know, uh, clearly uh, history matters for beer because I think beer is really an acquired taste 
I, I, I can remember having a sit down with all of you guys with at least one time for beer. And I remember my first experience with beer is beer tastes like pee. No, I don't know what pee tastes like, but I assume that's what pee tastes like. Right. And so when was your, your moment when you actually felt like, okay, this beer thing is something that I, I might invest some interest and time into. So Shannon, I'll let you go first, followed by Matt and then Andrew. Okay. Um, so like, like a number of people, I think I've, I probably like ventured into beer with kind of that same idea that, you know, the, the only beer that was out there was your, 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 your big, your big brands, your Coors, Millers, Bud, Bud specifically, this is what I kind of was surrounding me with my father and everything. Um, I think at the point to where I realized that that wasn't it was probably with, with Sam Adams. Sam Adams was kind of that breakthrough into craft for me um, to where it's not a beer that tastes like everything else. It's, it was a beer to me that, that had more flavor, had more body. Um, it just, it, it wasn't like the rest of them. I, I would say that's probably where my introduction kind of, evolved from you know your cheap easy drinking lager brands to that craft style of beer making uh, and beer drinking so you mean pbr wasn't what brought you into the fold (laughs) you know it's it's you know it's funny you say that lewis because pbr is kind of that for me now it's kind of that cheap go-to so like if I'm, i'm going out to play if I'm going down to a bar to play pinball, I'm gonna get a twenty. I'm gonna get a tall boy a PBR because I can nurse that for like an hour, and it's very cheap. But if I want something good, you know, that's not what I'm gonna go to. Yeah, PBR to me was like it was non-existent when we when we were at that age. It's you know I I had not heard of PBR until honestly until the last probably like five years. I, I, you know, I, I, somebody had to introduce me to it, but I absolutely understand. Matt, what about you, man? Man, the, so I'm, I'm kind of the same way, actually, that the, the first beers I really enjoyed um, were, were some Sam Adams beers. And I got into stouts and porters and that kind of stuff um, before I got into other kinds of beers. Um, so like Guinness was a good one because it's, you know, for, for a darker beer, it's not a real heavy drink. Well, and, and you know, the interesting thing is Sam Adams is kind of my thing, too, because I used to buy the sampler because I didn't like the same taste of beer all the time. And Andrew, what about you? When did you you said 12? So when did you know, like what kind of beer was specifically the one you're like, man, all right, let me keep doing this beer thing. Uh, all right. So at 12, I used to go down to the pub um, in England and would get uh, a lager or get a cider with a packet of crisps on a plate to get around the, the drinking walls at the time. So you could have you could have a beer with a meal. So so that was the way, easiest way to get around it. Um, my first beer, I could actually say that I, like really like I knew it was like all right. There's no turning back. Um, it's a it's a tough one. Um, I it probably would be Hawker Shore. Uh, it's a wheat beer, very uh, similar to like a Hogarden. Um, where it's not like a blue moon where it's sweet or anything like that. It's got 
uh, more lemon zest, more natural murk and stuff like that. Same with Oberon from Michigan. Those were like the beers that started me. And then I went down the path of starting to enjoy IPAs, stouts in the winters, stuff like that. So you, you made a mention that is very important because a lot of people don't know this. I know similar to Matt and Shannon, uh, like I said, my first experience was uh, like probably Budweiser. But then I tried Sam Adams because they had like a sampler pack. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So what what exactly would you say are the general classifications or types of beers? And any of you guys, Andrew, Shannon, Matt, any of you guys, if you want to jump in, you can either talk about like your favorite type or the ones that kind of stand out to you the most? Well, I mean, there's tons of types now. You got everything from sour to IPAs, double IPAs, Imperials. I mean, you name it, there's some new classification that are coming out, it feels like, with some of the fruit and special ales. But it, my personal favorite the last couple of years have all been those New England hazy IPAs, the extra juicy hops, uh, the citrus. There you go. They go down way too quick. But... <laughs> But they're uh, always enjoyable. Like uh, something like a stout, uh, like Imperial Stout that I'm drinking now. It's uh, it's definitely much more sipping. It's nice in this weather where it's chilly outside and kind of warms you up from the inside. And what about you, Matt? I, I oh, go ahead, Shannon. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I would just have to agree with Andrew on that. It's just the the variety that has come out, especially over the last. Gosh, I would even say the last two to three years has just been a, a leaps and bounds of where this industry is. And yeah, hazy IPAs, New England IPAs is kind of at that forefront right now. I, I kind of see gozas and sours kind of making their way into the pitcher. And I, I just don't know if it they're going to overtake the, the hop, kind of the hop revolution that's kind of going on with the different varieties that have come out. So. Um, in regards, I, I agree with Shannon. Uh, I, I don't know if gozas and sours are really going to overpower anything, but I think it was also, it's a good way to get people that don't necessarily like beer for the hop. Uh, like a lot of girls that like wine and stuff like that. It's easier to get them on a sour where it's more similar to wine and characteristics without that bitter hop flavor. Right. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is the first time I learned about like the different types of, uh, flavors of beers and uh, andrew i don't know if we i think we might have met there a couple of times and uh was hops hops used to be in charlotte where they brewed their own beer and the only location now was in washington dc but what i would order is i would order a beer flight and it would have like four to six beers on it and it would basically go from your dark stouts to um your your pale ales and that's when i actually learned what types because they were like small and sippable and it made the beers more uh, palatable for me. So when I got them, the bartender would tell me, well, you eat it with this. So for you, if you're going to eat a dinner, a really good dinner, what kind of beer would you eat with a specific type of dinner? Uh, I'll let you go first, Shannon. I I, I mean, it really kind of depends on the dinner. So, I mean... I, I've never found an IPA not to go to really be a wrong pairing with a lot of what a lot of dinners. So your your steaks, something a little more kind of robust. Um, I could see like for a 
you know, if you're doing a salad or if you're doing fish, something a little bit lighter in a, as an affair, um, like like um, a wheat beer, for instance, or even an, a, just a standard ale, an amber ale or something of that nature being a good pairing. Um, it, it really is kind of, with, with so much variety now in beer, it really kind of lay, it kind of pars up with wine in a sense, because that was always kind of that, that measuring stick was what foods pair with wine. Well, you could even, you could make the argument that there is just as many beers that pair with food now as there is wine. And which is, I guess, kind of a, kind of a glorious thing about beer now. It's just how much variety is out there. And Matt, what about you, man? Um, yeah, I, I agree, man. I think like, a, you, you know, if, if you're going with something that's a little universal, um, you find something kind of like a, a lighter ale. I'd say that the heaviest I would go would be like a, like a red maybe. Um, but it, 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 it's, Shannon's absolutely right. Like if it's like a heavy red meat, you know, then, then I'm, you know, I'll, I'll house a you know, stout with that and I can enjoy that. Or if it's something a little lighter, you know, like a wheat beer, um, no sours, I'm not a sour guy. Um, so I was trying to say earlier when the phone crapped the bed on me. Uh, <laughs> it's, oh, it's, all right. it's, it's like they knew. They, they need to know that those beers aren't that good. Um, <laughs> the world needs to know. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there, are, there are not wrong answers. There are just different right answers. Right. That makes sense. Andrew, what about you, man? Uh, I think you ended on the right head. There, there's, there are no, like, if you enjoy it, uh, it is uh, your pairing then. I would say IPAs go with everything. The only thing they probably don't go with is sweet desserts. Um, yeah. Uh, I do enjoy a sour with dinner um, just because it's kind of like a wine where it kind of nips some of the moisture out of your mouth, makes you enjoy the flavor that much more, especially if you have a nice salty steak in front of you. Um, go for it. And so uh, I, I think it's, it's interesting because the, the pairing – types that you're talking about so it actually begs the question what exactly makes beer good like so what is the thing that you're saying okay that makes beer taste good so uh andrew you leave this off so i think now more than ever before you can't really beer is harder to find it's just beer because there's so many different varieties types um i don't know if there's any one thing that makes it good some people really love hops like me other people really love the malt um, that sweeter sensation. It's, it all depends. It's just, I guess something about the carbonation and the, and the alcohol always really helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I would, I would kind of, I kind of want to uh, piggyback off of that. It's like, I think just kind of the American palate and, and where the kind of the industry is going is like, hops with flavor so there's been a number of years where hop wasn't really just kind of that driving force in the flavor now you've got so many varieties of hops that they've just developed specifically for the flavor like your simcoe and your your mosaic and it's just you're 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 getting that flavor out of the hop whether it's a tropical hint or a citrus hint that that's where i think we're finding ourselves going with with beer now especially you see a lot of the more popular ipas it's it's very like 
aroma driven at this point. Oh, absolutely. I just I think that's where it's more so than the malt. I, I hate to say it. I think malt has gotten kind of pigeonholed in that that's what is the base of the brew. But what the the show figure of the brew is now is it's hops, and that's what's driving it. So I think it's funny in terms of, the, like, uh, you made a good point, the, the changing of the hops. Um, so, like, 20 years ago, you couldn't find a good American beer. You only had your normal, like, mass-produced fizzy lagers. Now, Americans drew the best beer in the world. Outside of, like, some of the nice Belgian quads and stuff like that, for the most part... I would I would put any American brewery up against any European brewery. Uh, Absolutely, and to, America. <laughs> well, you're seeing a revolution in the US. because of it. So, like England for a long time, now they've <laughs> all been in the their fizzy lagers. Now, like their mass-produced Peronis and stuff like that. Well, you're starting to see a resurgence of what they call real ale, um, and that's starting to take over. So, you're getting a lot of breweries over there again to, that are low produ- low production facilities. Well, you, you even look at some of the breweries that have moved over to America, like Stone has a German brewery over there now, and they're brewing a lot of their heavy IPAs over there and bottle releases over there now. And it's just, it's a very, it's, it's very a 180 turn in the market. Whereas years ago, people would say that, oh yeah, European beers are the gold standard. Whereas now it's, it is, it's American beer. And air American beer is on the cup of innovation across the board now. Yeah, Matt, what about you, man? Uh, so what, what makes beer good to you? So I knew at some point we'd probably quote Joe Dirt, right? Um, <laughs> why is the tree good? Why is the sunset good? Why are boobs good? Um, I think that's the quote. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it's for, for me, um, again, like I started with, with, you know, stouts and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I've, I've kind of... I prefer a slightly sweeter beer. Not always. Um, I've, I've grown to appreciate like the, the juicy, hazy kind of like, you know, new England type IPAs, um, for the, for the fruity kind of quality. I don't like the little piney ones. Um, so for me, like just a, just a little hint sometimes of, of sweetness, I think is if, if, if I had to simplify it. All right. And that's, and you know, it's good. So it, I, I thought about a conversation Andrew and I had a while ago. And so th- this this it leads to this question: What's the strangest beer you've ever had? So I went from good beer to strangest because Andrew told me about when he went to Iceland and had a beer, and I had a beer when I was in Iceland before too. So um, Matt, I'm gonna let you lead us off, followed by Shannon and then Andrew. Um, I've had an oyster beer. Oysters? Oyster beer, yes, sir. Um, it, it was just it, it. It wasn't bad. It was a little salty. Um. Was it an oyster stout, or was it uh, uh, like a sour? No, it was a sour. I had it at a um, like a beer festival. They had it, um, and I was, and it was actually, you know, as far as sours go, um, one of the better ones I've had. But it was definitely, definitely strange for sure. All right, Shannon. I, I, I'm going out on a limb. Um, so, and I, I, I am probably butchering this word, kvass, uh, K-V-A-S-S. It's a beer brewed from bread. Um, it's, Wait, what? It's, what? It's you bas- said beer brewed from bread? Yes. <laughs> that is the base for your grain is bread. You're basically using old bread to brew beer. 
Um, I tried brewing it myself. Now it's it is a very low alcohol beer. It's like three percent. It's not meant to by any means get you drunk. It's more to just make a fermented beverage. Um, it's a very like Eastern block kind of beverage. Um, Cause that's where it's really kind of, you find it more so is like Ukraine and stuff of that nature. Um, that's probably the weirdest one that I've ever had and that I've ever actually tried to brew. I didn't do a great job of it, but it's, it, it fits the bill. So, <laughs> Andrew, what about you, man? Weirdest beer? Uh, uh, I had a few oyster sours or seafood sours. They're those have been all a little weird with shrimp, clams. Not all of them are great. I went to a, uh, a a beer festival called Strange Brew, where it was all like people trying weird and not like ridiculous things. And they said if you bring your phone out and we see uh, untapped and you try to rate us on this thing, we're kicking you right out. Because it was a, a chance for these brewers to try really odd things that probably are going to come out like, you know, as awful and as shitty as they were. But nonetheless, uh, some of them were interesting. Some of them were good. Uh, the beer you referenced in Iceland um, was made of sheep shit. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, they take sheep shit and they roast the malt. Uh, and so they roast all the, uh, the malt and the grain over burning sheep shit. <laughs> I I'll tell you it tastes very very grassy. It's the best way to enjoy sheep shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Right? Uh, I know when we so... ordered it, they, uh, the waitress was like, "You sure? You know what this is?" We're like, "Yes, we know what it is. Just bring it out." Mm. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I just I remember when you told me that I'm like, "Dude, come on, man! Like, is that really what they're making?" So it actually leads me to the next question of like the unique types of beers. And Shannon, I want you to lead us off on this one: is homebrews. So, like you said, you uh, you already mentioned that you tried to make a specific type of beer. So, what what's the process to that, and what inspired you to do that? And uh, you, you other guys can obviously chime in and kind of, you know, put your sen- your two cents in on, you know, sort of your opinion of homebrews. So what inspired me to do it? So uh, to get into homebrewing, it, it's, it's a process and it's something that, you know, it, it's honest. Honestly, the, it's, it's a funny kind of introduction. So, you know, I, I mentioned Sam Adams is kind of that go to for me and kind of lead in. It honestly was, and this is the funny thing, what actually kind of pushed me over the edge to kind of try it and get into homebrewing was actually Alton Brown and Good Eats because he actually did a homebrewing episode. And that's like, all right, I can do that. If Alton Brown can do it, I can do it. (laughs) And that's what pushed me into actually doing it. And I got the kit and I spent, you know, the $120 at the time to do it. And went through that process of doing the, the malt plus the specialty grains and doing kind of a, um, a semi-mash. So when I say a semi-mash, is like there's, uh, there's the whole extract brewing, which is none of the grain is – the grain is already mashed for you. It's already been either liquefied or powdered and dried for you. Or you can do the, the kind of the mixture of the – the liquid and the dried extract and do a small 
mash of grain to get certain types of flavors and and uh, characteristics out of specific grains. So if you're looking for like a red, you kind of use a different type of malt and different type of grain to get that. Um, that's how I kind of got into it. And it, it leads down the rabbit hole, and it's an expensive rabbit hole, unfortunately. Really? Because when you when you start into brewing, it's like, okay, 120 investment. Oh, I got a bottle beer. Bottle beer about three times. Like, oh, I hate this. I need to start <laughs> kegging. Here's another two, two to $300 on top of that. Oh, I need to build a kegerator now. Here's another investment. That's and now I'm at that teaching. point to where I'm ready to <laughs> say that again. That's why you quit teaching. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't afford that teaching, yes. Um, and then, you know, I moved into now I'm at that point to where I'm like, okay, I want to do complete all grain, but I want to do like half barrel brewing. So it's like I've got to develop, develop all the capital and all the equipment at that time to put that investment in place to do it. So, um, but that, that's how, in short, that's how I got into the home brewing aspect. And well, I remember when I, um, uh, I visited with you and I had, and I was like, man, you made this? And he's like, yeah. And it was just amazing to see someone make something like that to be consumed uh, just sort of on the premises. So any of you guys, uh, other than Shannon, have experience with like e- either taking in, drinking homebrew? Or uh, like even trying yourself? Uh, I've never brewed home beer. My dad told me a long time ago when he tried to brew home beer, uh, it tasted awful and there was plenty of explosions in the garage. (laughs) So funny story about explosions. So I've had my fair share of those. So I brewed a uh, dark Oktoberfest and it was bottled which every home brewer initially does, they bottle, and it's, it's a horrible task. Um, so I had these in the fridge, and we're taking them out, and as soon as you pop the lid on, they're foaming to the point that some of them are shooting the lid at least 10 yards <laughs> away from you, literally. Like, we're outside, and we're popping the lid. We're top- popping the bottle tops off of them, and they're shooting 10 yards because there's so much pressure built in and because of the fermentables that were left in in the uh, the beer at bottling. So no one is making a show about that? We can make beer pong, but we can't make beer cap shooting? It happened in, in, in Breaking Bad, Probably. right? There's the, scene, there's the scene in Breaking Bad where they're, uh, spoiler alert, some top pop off of bottles. Uh, <laughs> he's in the garage, he gets all freaked out, remember? <laughs> I hadn't seen that episode. Like I, I actually watched uh, um, Breaking Bad so erratically, but it's a great show. But I just, yeah, I believe it. So if I, I move up a little bit, so we go from the home roots to like micro brews. And I know specifically, I was shocked when I, um, I came back to Charlotte uh, last year, and I saw there was like micro breweries everywhere. And so what's your opinion about the growth of microbreweries specifically in Charlotte, but just like in general in the States? I mean, you already said like the U.S. is expanding, but uh, it's, I think it's an amazing thing. So, Matt, I'll let you lead us off. I absolutely love it. Um, I think because it, it allows such a, a wider variety. Um, it allows different people who are, are creative to, to have an outlet to kind of make cool stuff. Um. And it's, it's nice to, to go into different stores 
to look and not know what you're going to see every time. You, know, you can go in, find an IPA, find a stout, like all, all kinds of different stuff. You don't know what it's going to be, and and if you don't like it, there's another option. Great, Andrew. Uh, I I love how many breweries. I mean, I I live in the like one of the meccas of Charlotte, like micro brews now, um, in South End. So I have plenty of breweries and bars to walk to with tons of nice beer to drink, and thankfully I don't have to drive anywhere. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> I wonder if the bubbles are going to eventually burst. Uh, I mean, there are so many microbrews just constantly popping up. I don't know how they all can stay afloat. I mean, there's only so many people who can drink beer and stuff like that. But it's it is great in the fact that the scene has changed the way the beer will be drunk forever. So it's no longer going to go back to the, you know, Bud and Miller. They're worried they're losing market share already. So. They're buying up any like big like they bought a uh, wicked weed a couple of years ago for I think it was rumored seven hundred fifty million, and they've only been around for about four years. So, I think a few friends of my of mine have had this conversation before about when that bubble is going to burst, because I, I I think we are like kind of in that golden age of of brewing right now. It's it, it's it really is an amazing thing with all the breweries popping up, but you wonder how many are feasible. I think what we're going to end up seeing is a lot more of the bigger breweries that have such a bigger market share having to consolidate more as you're probably going to see more of a local presence with beer brewing now and breweries in general, as you're going to go to, it's, it's going to be a lot of like how it was, you know, decades ago and centuries ago where there were certain things you could only get in certain places. And that's what you're going to find with breweries is that you can get a good beer from XYZ brewery in this town. But in this town, you can find this brewery here. That's making this. I think that's where we're going to end up. And you're going to see a lot of your, like, you know, your Sierra Nevada's, your new Belgium's, the ones that have had expanded their footprint drastically having to, pull it back because they just can't keep up with that local mentality that's out there right now. And and I I think that's important to understand because I think I was going to ask a question about the big boys, but I really don't want to because Andrew made a mention of like, you know, the big boys buying it. But I mean, uh, I do wonder about the bubble part because like you, there's uh, people go to Budweiser. So, why, why would somebody buy a Budweiser as opposed to a local microbrew? What, what would what, what would be your opinion? Anybody can kind of uh, lead on this one. But I'm curious about that because I think there are enough beer drinkers to, like, maybe maintain that, right? I, I, I think it – I think there's a marketplace for that. I, I, I You know, I hate to say it, it's just like, like I mentioned earlier, it's like – if I want a good, if I want a cheap go-to lager, I mean, I'm I'm gonna drink a PBR because it's it's that it fills that bill, it fits that bill so well. I think there's still a place for them. I just don't think they're gonna be in the forefront of. Do I want a really good beer? You're just not gonna find your Budweisers, your your Coors and Millers and stuff like that there. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at most restaurants now, right? Most local Charlotte restaurants. They have six beers on tap. Not one of them will be one of the big InBev companies. 
they'll have a couple yep. of locals and maybe one like you know random beer from somewhere else i the i mean for the most part like when you're talking about taps it never really matters for the big boys they're always looking for bottle sales anyways but i think you're going to i think you're right with uh, the aspect of people wanting local like the whole younger generations are all like concerned about buying local and trying to stay away from the major you know the major brands out there so and Matt, what about you? Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, it's fine. No, I, I agree um, that that at some point there's there's got to be a tipping point, right? Um, and you, you've already kind of started to see legislation come up um, where some some of the craft brews have been limited into the amount that they can even have on hand. Um, and I think they y'all y'all probably know better than I do. I believe they started to dial that back a little bit because they got some pushback. But it was, you know, it was hurting some of the the, the smaller breweries because they couldn't distribute as much as some of the the, the big, like the core of the Anheuser Busch. Yeah. So one of the reasons why North Carolina became so great at brewing so quickly is we had legislation in place that if you brewed under ten thousand barrels a year, you could distribute your own product. So you didn't have to go someone through someone like Adams, the beverage company that distributes Budweiser, where they're going to take a huge chunk of those profits. Um, where you're selling like a keg at sixty dollars um, to them, and they're selling it to a brewery at one hundred and ten, or a, to a restaurant at one hundred ten, but you can't get it more than sixty to that distributor. It's it's all part of that three. It's the three tier system that was meant to after prohibition. It was kind of meant to prevent a lot of issues, but it created more than it actually prevented because. All it did was pretty much drive the big chains to control the distribution lines. So that's where you find, you know, you hear about like InBev or Anheuser-Busch, whatever you want to call, you know, offering kickbacks for selling so much of a certain product. But I think you're starting to see that being kind of diminished a little bit with legislation. I know recently it was passed that they increased the cap on how much a brewery in, in North Carolina could self-distribute um, if they hit a certain threshold. So, but that's, that's kind of the problem you run into with the, the model, the three tier model is it, it puts a lot of emphasis on a brewery that can put a lot more money behind and a lot more capital behind what they're doing in buying their shelf space like an MBEV can. Um, as opposed to a smaller brewery like a Sycamore or like a like a Noda can do. That's so disappointing because politics is ruining my my beer conversation. Now I'm joking, but, but it's interesting because you 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 knew it would bleed into it, Lewis. It, it always has a way of bleeding into it. It's just you can't get away from politics at all. It's just, that's the way we are. That's where we are now. I'm sorry. What's interesting? I'm sorry. I've, I've, I've I've done a ton of podcasts and like I've I've iceberg tipped politics like i've stayed away from it so much did anybody else want to go in on this before i move to the next thing no unfortunately i do have to let you go are you guys go it was great talking to you though wish i could say hey man i appreciate no i appreciate you man i I knew you have stuff to do well thank you for your insight all right everyone have a great night see you all right andrew thank you so my my next uh topic is specifically seasons right and i think this matters a lot 
for beer because people recognize I didn't know until I started like actually going and hanging out with people that beer have certain beers go with certain seasons. And I didn't know that until, you know, you, you, you learn about the sort of Oktoberfest and then you have the stouts in the winter. So what's your feelings about the, the specific beers that go with specific seasons? Uh, Matt, you can lead us off or Andrew, either one. I'm not Andrew. I mean, Shannon, either one. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, give me my pumpkin spice. Uh, no. <laughs> oh no! You know, no. every once in a while, like a, 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 like a short pour of a pumpkin beer, I don't mind. Um, I'm not going to order one at a restaurant usually. Um, no, and I've I've actually I've got some stouts in the fridge, you know, from last winter that that I've been eyeballing. Um, I just once it started to heat up, I just didn't want them. Um, and it's I, I agree. Like I don't want something heavy in the summer. I want something kind of like a, a lighter, crispier kind of kind of beer not something that's going to kind of sit heavy and make me feel warm you know i agree shannon i i I would piggyback off of that and you know definitely agree with matt on the fact that it's it's you you find that certain beers have a place in a certain time of the year you find your stouts and your porters have a better place this time of a year um your pumpkin beers too which i absolutely hate um (laughs) have a place this time of year but that's that's the season it's it it, this in this this industry this this craft has its has its place in different types of year and you find different beers have their their part i i would even argue to say that ipas tend to find a way to have a just because of how prevalent it is right now they tend to find a way to have a place throughout the year by varying the difference in the hop quantity, the the strength of the beer. Um, you find some very heavy imperial IPAs that fit really well in the winter. And you can find some very session style types of beer, low alcohol types of IPAs that have a good place as a, a summer type of beer. Um, I would even argue that though you find that Gozes and, 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 and your sours have, have found a a good stronghold in the summer now because they're just so light and they've got that fruity content to them. You know, what's really cool is that, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is uh, we're using either names or acronyms for specific types of beer. And I Mm -hmm. obviously haven't taken the time to explain anything, which, you know, if you know beer, then you know beer like IPAs and stouts and et cetera. So it's interesting because I, I just wanted to verbally acknowledge that I didn't acknowledge it. Uh, for definition purposes, <laughs> and then move on to the next thing and say, well, with that, because of seasons, what is your best beer season story? Like, for instance, for me, I, I remember the first time I had a real chocolate stout, and it tastes so different than a Guinness. And I'm like, I'm never drinking Guinness again because I had that in the wintertime. And I was like, drinking a cold beer in the winter is stupid. But what about you guys? What's your best beer store story associated with a season? Go ahead, Matt. Uh, I mean, for, for me, you know, as, as I've started to slowly appreciate um, IPAs, which stands for India Pale Ale. Um, <laughs> Break out that definition. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Not all of them from India. Um, <laughs> um, like just just so like, you know, we'll have I, I coach football. Um, so I'll get home in, in the summer um, when I leave work on my day off to uh and and 
to drink an IPA, like just to, to, to crack open like a cold one and like just that light kind of like fruity, refreshing, like it, it's, it, I know it sounds like stereotypical, but it's like, it's a commercial like that. Just like that. Ah, like it's, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> What about you, Jared? You know that's that's a tough one because there's so many times that I've 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 had a beer and I it's never been like that specific moment. I could argue that there's been moments where I've been traveling where that has played an impact. Like I'll, I'll give the example, and I it might be kind of a lead into I don't know. Um, when I had the first beer that I actually had in Germany in at Oktoberfest and that true lager beer um, made by a brewery in Munich that, and it fit the season. It's like late summer, maybe early autumn for them. Um, it, it was just, it's very refreshing beer, but at the time, I probably didn't appreciate it nearly as much as I would today because at that point, it's like I'm, you know, in my early 20s and I'm at Oktoberfest. So, hey, let's have fun kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. So you actually alluded to the next point is uh, being so- social with beer, the best social uh, venues, endeavors, et cetera, with beer. So Oktoberfest it obviously wears the crown. And so my question is, is sort of the – what is your most sort of memorable social uh, affair with with beer? Obviously, you know, I'm being responsible with it. For instance, my first uh, Oktoberfest was in Charlotte. I've never been to the one in Germany. And it was absolutely amazing because I saw people walking around with the pretzels on their neck. And they had the later hosen and then you had the little necklace to hold the little the little uh, shot cup that wasn't a shot cup for your beer. So uh, uh, Shannon or Matt, either one, uh, you guys can lead off on like what's your best uh, or most memorable moment socially with beer? Um, like for me, um, I would say, see, you threw in, you had to throw in the responsible part. Um, <laughs> no, you have to be, that's how yeah, podcasts work. Right? That's right, that's right. Um, so I, I would say, so every year, you know, we have the, the ACC football championship here in Charlotte every year. Um, and so, and it's, and it's always a night game on a Saturday. So we can, it's, it's usually the, our, our biggest tailgate of the year that I do with a bunch of buddies. Um, and we'll usually do, we'll do bottle shares and everybody will bring, you know, just their, their like wildest or best, like favorite beers that they've kind of picked up over the years. Um, and so you get to, you know, over the, the course of the day, you get to try, you know, hell, it might be 20 beers. I mean, you're not drinking the whole one, obviously, but. You, just, you get to sample so many different ones and it's just it's just a blast man just hanging out like t- making a day of it and then you go to go watch football like it's, it's win-win i i absolutely agree shannon you there can, can you hear me yes sir. yes i can hear you okay all right sorry about that all good um so i i would just have to go back to like socially the best experience in general would have to have been hey it's it's Oktoberfest. It's just it is such a social event to begin with that you just it's it's hard to leave that one off the list because it's just a number of nationalities. Like we ended up hanging with a a guy from New Zealand 
the whole the whole time we were there and drinking with them and and enjoying other people it, it's just it's it's a it's a camaraderie that comes with it that's just amazing that's why i like anybody who has the least bit of desire to enjoy beer but enjoy socially you you don't even have to drink like you're like an alcoholic because that's kind of what you feel like when you're carrying steins around all day but it's just it's very enjoyable it's a very good climate it's a very com uh very i don't even know the term that i'm looking for right offhand but everybody is just looking to have a good time and have fun that's exactly what it is I just have one question because of the movie Beer Fest. Was there Das Boot? <laughs> because Das Boot is the you, most important thing ever. I did not see Das Boot there. It was not there, or at least if it was, it was not in the forefront, much like how it was in the movie. It was probably in some back alley in some <laughs> warehouse district in Munich that you couldn't find unless you were drunk. So. <laughs> That that movie actually is the, the the movie that helped me understand the sort of social aspect of it. Especially, I don't know if you guys remember the movie when he had to turn the boot to make sure he didn't, get, so he could finish it all at once. Absolutely amazing technique. Oh yes, because you know the glass you drink beer is very very important, right? It is. <laughs> and, and, and so, two more questions uh, before <laughs> we close out. Uh, first of all. I think this is important for everybody to kind of know because you all have personal preferences. What would be your recommendation if someone is starting in beer uh, and they want to kind of, you know, appreciate it? What, what would you recommend they start with and what sort of cycle could they possibly move to? Uh, Shannon, I'll actually let you go first because we didn't get to start with you last time. No, that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of go the same route as I – so it really kind of depends on the purpose, uh, the person, but I will kind of use my wife as an example because she's not a beer drinker by any measure, but she will drink beer now. So there's kind of introductions depending on how you want to go. So if you want to go with a lighter kind of affair, though it's not a beer, cider is a good option to work your way into your lighter beers like your, your lagers, your Kolsch's. What I find that she likes more than anything and probably a lot a beer that a lot of people can get behind is your porters, something that's got a big chocolate, got a heavier chocolate base to it, coffee stouts, stuff like that. I find that's a good introduction into getting people into beer. IPAs are not for everybody by any measure. And I find that IPAs tend to turn a lot of non-beer drinkers off quicker. So it's, it's going outside of the IPA bubble, which is all-consuming right now, unfortunately. Like, for me and per personally, I if it wasn't for IPAs, I would probably be drinking Colchis. That's just – that's a go-to beer for me. That's, if I'm going for a, a beer that's got good – a good flavor, but a very light I agree, profile. duck rabbit milk That's stout, what I'm which is for. from North Carolina, or a chocolate stout, which is also delicious. Go ahead, Matt. Farmville, North yes. Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, wherever that is. It is Farmville. Out it out is right. Somewhere. Um, not. And so I, I would tend to agree. Yeah. Um, the, the, the obvious answer feels like it'd be like, oh, just have a, 
you know, like a Bud Light or, or something like that. But they, to me, they don't, they're not that good anymore. Um, I never really enjoyed because the, the, the finish on them is not very good, kind of like the, the pea flavor, like you said. Um, <laughs> and so I, I would agree that it, if they've got more of a, you know, if, if they like, if they're coffee drinkers, then like a, a light kind of coffee stout, like nothing like, you know, you don't want to hit them with anything that's like 10%, um, a real like high gravity type thing, but that or, or agreed like a, like an amber or like a lighter lager, um, would, would be a go-to even if, if you want to go like, you know, big name, I would say like a yingling or a red oak, um, something like that. That's not super overpowering, but still tastes like a beer. I, I would agree with you on the ying, on the uh, red oak piece because I've known a few people that have gotten to drinking beer because of like a red oak because it it doesn't right. have that beer quote flavor. It's kind of got that more brilliant. And to now it. with that, because my goal of this podcast, it's called Voices, is about your voices. I always like to have the guests close out and give their final thoughts. Your final thought can be on anything, so it can be about the specific topic we're on. So it can be about beer, being a beer connoisseur, entering the beer realm, or it can be about anything. Like, for instance, uh, I heard some Star Wars rumors. We don't have to go there, but <laughs> I heard some Star Wars rumors that are in my brain now. But uh, <laughs> just again, I thank you guys for being here. And so, uh, Shannon, uh, I'll – well, no. Yeah, Matt, I'll have you go first, and then, Shannon, you can close us out. So I don't know how you guys found out uh, the rumors, um, but it is true. I did, for the first time in my life ever, I'm 34 years old, um, start the first Star Wars movie last night. Um, so, yeah, I'd never <laughs> – that's right. I'd never seen Wait, any of what? Them. No, sir. You've never seen Star Wars? <laughs> Kent Lewis, can we just have a podcast on this fact it's, that you know, Matt has never? More interesting is he starting with episode one, or he starting with episode one or episode no uh, four, 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 the original. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, please don't start with one. Yes, yeah. don't start with one. Oh, but so yes, you're going yeah. the right direction. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's just one of those things. I never got around to like sci-fi is fine to me. Um, it's not my favorite genre, um, but it, it's so Star Wars is so like inundated in pop culture that I was almost kind of turned off from it. Cause I'm like, well, I already know what happens. Like I know the big plot points. And so like, I'm, I'm very like anti-spoiler. And so that kind of turned, but I was like, you know what? Like, obviously everybody loves it. Like we, we just got Disney plus, um, because apparently my girlfriend is a child. So we're, <laughs> <laughs> um, none at all. Um, and so it's no shame. No shame. Out, I did fall asleep. I was kind of tired, but I'm going to finish it tonight. I would imagine. Um, so that's yeah, that's the big rumor. Uh, no, for for getting into beer drinking, um, it's there's something there's something out there for everybody. So just if if you don't think you enjoy beer, it is definitely an acquired taste. Um, be an adult, suck it up, find something you enjoy. Um, <laughs> we're all friendly here, <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah. So I mean, just just don't <laughs> give up on it because you know you got wasted on on you know, beer bong and bush light in college. And now you hate all beer. Um, give beer a chance. Cool. Thank you, sir. And I add drink responsibly as my segue. Absolutely. Go ahead, Shannon. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I I would agree that giving beer a chance, there are so many varieties and so much out there for consumers now, as opposed to when we were in college, where, you know, you had your your big three or you had Smirnoff ice and <laughs> God, that was awful. And thankfully now we've, we've evolved from that <laughs> except when Zima tried to make their, their comeback. In did the they last really? Two years. They did. And that failed obviously. Oh, I, but I'm glad I wasn't there for that. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. It Come did. <laughs> you, you didn't miss anything. I promise you. There's cases still in Richmond at, at, at the answer. I don't. So I'm you not can, going if you need a Zima that bad, you can get one. Zima in it. No thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> so Zima is basically it's right. It's right. White Claw. That's essentially what Zima is. But anyway, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, know, I mean, I, I, I think this is an amazing time to enjoy beer and being this and being this part of history with alcohol in general because beer has evolved so much over the last 20 years and i would say it's it is in its renaissance you could say it's in its golden age but it's that would do it wouldn't do it any justice it's it's in its renaissance because there's just so much going on with beer and just everything related to beer, whether it's hop development and the different types of hop strains that are being developed by uh, the, the cultivators out West and, or the grains that we're coming up with or the techniques and, and the different infusions that we're seeing with, with flavors. It, it, this is an amazing time. Uh, same thing with star Wars. It's, it's an amazing time for star Wars right now too. That in the Mandalorian, which I haven't watched yet, I'll watch tonight. But um, it, you know, it's it, it it really is. It's 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 an it's a great time to be enjoying craft beer. And as Charles Papazian says, relax, don't worry, have a homebrew. Just it, that's that's it. It's 